Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, River of Life Church. Excited for you guys to be here today. And uh, good morning and welcome to everybody worshiping and watching with us online. Uh, I am not Pastor Craig. Just so everybody knows, um, Pastor Craig and Cindy, our lead pastor here, Pastor Craig, they are on some well-deserved uh, vacation time. So Pastor Craig was gracious enough to ask me to come and preach the word today. So uh, I'm very excited you guys are here, and I'm very excited to do this. And if you'll indulge me real quick uh, before we start, I just want to thank uh, my wife. Um, I love you. None of this is possible without you, your sacrifice behind the scenes with our children, our family. To be able to come here each week to preach to the kids, it's not possible without you. So I just wanted to tell you I love you. Um, if we, sorry, sorry, I had to do that real quick. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right. I just wanted to tell my wife I love her. Uh, bonus points for me later on. Um, so we're going to be in Luke's Gospel today, chapter 7. If you have a Bible, we will be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 36. And uh, before we start, like I said, I am the youth pastor here at uh, the river. And a couple weeks ago, we got to go on our youth summer retreat uh, camp with the kids. My wife and I got to go. There was three boys and three girls that went with us. So I drove the boys and my wife drove the girls. And we got up there to the conference center. And I went, checked us in, got all the information, got the keys, came back, gave the stuff to Lindsay and the girls, and they went to their rooms. And the boys had already head off to the, to the basketball courts, right? There's a basketball court there. There's a swimming pool, all kinds of stuff going on. And so I said, all right, let's go over and we'll play some hoops before we worship tonight and, and hang out. So I get there, and our students, my students, are playing against another church. There's about 20 churches that go to these conferences, uh, give or take. And they're playing basketball against these kids. And I'll, to be very honest, this, this one, these kids were just kind of just arrogant, a little, talking a lot of trash, kind of like just obnoxious, you know, a little too, just to be honest with you, right? And I'm sitting here on the sidelines. Our kids, of course, are not responding, very humble, right, sitting there just playing basketball. I was really proud of them. But I'm over on the sidelines. I get there, and I'm like, who are these kids? Like, who is this punk, this one kid in particular? And I'm like, does he not know this is church? This is church camp? I said, who is this kid? Why is this kid acting this way? And God stopped me by the grace of God and his Holy Spirit stopped me right there. He said, Jordan, why are you so concerned with this kid's behavior? And I stopped and I thought for a bit, and, and it's because I was that kid. I am that kid today. It's not as robust, it's not as outward, it's not as flamboyant, right? My, but my pride, my ego, everything, it's still there. And like I see it almost in another kid and it just makes me even more, you know, a little fired up. But he stopped me and he said, I've forgiven you for that. So why are you so worried about this kid? And I went back to the room with the, with the students, and I told them, I said, look, this is walking with God. I said, you're going to have these moments in your life. You're going to have this where I had hate in my heart for this kid. Right? I was just disdainful. Like, this kid's the church camp. Who is this sinner who's here, right? What's this kid doing? I'm ready to fight this kid. I'm supposed to be the youth pastor, right? You guys are like, who's up there with these kids? And uh, I told my students, I said, this is where my heart was. You know, when I prayed right there with them and I repented and I said, this is going to happen sometimes. I said, but you bring this stuff right to God. Right to God. And when I prayed and we asked that we would run into this kid later on in camp, have a moment, I should be wanting to share the gospel, to share Jesus. I don't even know this kid. And I'm sitting here so worried about his behavior. 
And today in our account that we're going to read, we're going to look at a very similar story about somebody who was very concerned with somebody else's behavior and their reputation. So let's read it here in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, 36. It reads, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, say it, teacher. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. So tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your beautiful word your word that has all the power, your spirit, you have all the power, Lord God. The power to change hearts, the power to give new hearts, the power to convict. And I pray this morning that you would open our ears and that you would shine the light of your word into the dark corners of our heart and that you would heal our hearts in the areas that need healing and that you would make us more like Christ. Show us, Father, that the way down is the way up. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a beautiful account. Real quick, there is another account similar to this in the other Gospels uh, of a woman named Mary, and she has anointed Jesus' whole head, you know, in preparation for his burial at, or at Jerusalem, his death, right? This is at Simon the leper's house, and uh, Judas, right, the disciple of, of Christ, gets all upset. He says, we could have fed the, all the poor, and we could have gave this money to the poor with all this ointment that this girl poured on Jesus' head. So this is a different account. This is in Luke's gospel. Luke was very meticulous, right? He wrote from Jesus' birth all the way through, and he said, I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to write Acts 2. And um, so this, some stuff has happened in Jesus' ministry. He preached the Sermon on the Plain. He raised the widow's son from the dead, actually in this town where this is taking place. So Jesus is all abuzz, right? He's a bit of a prominent figure. And in the ancient world, when they would have these dinners, right, Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner, and he probably has some, uh, you know, ulterior motive to try to catch Jesus in his words. They weren't exactly big fans of Jesus, the Pharisees. We all know that. Um, but these dinners would be sort of an open forum to the public, especially with a prominent guest, and Jesus was certainly a prominent guest. So they would 
leave the windows open. They would leave the doors open. Sometimes it would be outside in a foyer or something if the, if the host had the means. So people would come into town and they would be able to listen. Uh, believe it or not, they did not have Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all that fancy stuff we got today. So not everybody could just write down their provocative, or not provocative, their super theological thoughts and tweet them out into the ether and everybody could see how they think, right? So people had to come to these dinners and see what did rabbi so-and-so say about, you know, the hot topics of the, of the day, right? What, what the, the sovereignty of God, uh, some type of debate. So that would, they would get the gossip, they would get the news, and then they could go tell their friends how smart they are. Um, so that was the scene. And also when they ate, it was very low table to the ground, right? So they, they ate kind of leaning on their left side. So you remember when you were like 15, 16, you would talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend on the phone, and you'd be there like this, like, oh, remember this? That's how they ate. Their feet laying out towards the back, and they ate with their right hand, and they would lean on their left arm. So they're here at this dinner party, and here comes this woman. Right? Who is this woman? Simon, she starts weeping. Right? I cry. I'm not afraid to say it. Guys, I cry. I cry pretty ugly, too. But women, God made women different. And when they cry, when my wife cries, not because of me, but when she does cry, it's just kind of like, whoa. You know, it's like you don't know what to do. You're kind of sitting there like, man, I hope this ends pretty soon, right? Because it's just an event, right? And this girl, this woman is weeping at Jesus' feet. It's the same Greek word that is used when Peter denied Jesus three times. And he went out and it says he wept bitterly. So this is not like a little, oh, Jesus, love you. This is like a scene. And she's, she's wiping his feet with her hair and wetting his feet with her tears, disrupting this dinner. And Simon, the host, the Pharisee, Simon's like, if this man were a prophet, right, if this Jesus was really from God, he would know what type of woman this is. Right? Remember me at the camp? If this kid was really a Christian, he would know how to act at this church camp. What's he doing here, right? Simon's the same thing. What's this woman doing here and di disrupting my dinner? Because they were all about, about the rules, right? The Pharisees were big rule followers. Anybody love the rules in this, in this church today? It's not a trick question, right? My wife, woo, loves rules. I mean, I'm telling you, take it to the extreme. Like, we go to Chick-fil-A up in Warrington. Love Chick-fil-A, God's chicken, right, the best. We get there, the line's out to the, uh, the road, and you know the Holy Spirit's there. You know you're going to get that chicken in five minutes, and it's amazing. And then... So we get it. I come to the road, and there's a big sign, and it says, right turn only. And home is to the left. And I do a little, uh, you know, peek, and I hit that left, right? Pray for me. You know, my wife's in the back. Every time with the kids, she goes, Jordan, you really upset me when you do that. These traffic laws are there for a reason. And I said, I know. I said, I just got to get home faster. I said, say by grace, girl. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, later, too, we were able to do the VBS with the young kids in the back. Uh, with the, like, they're like four, five, six-year-olds. And we would do the Bible story each night. And we would get a script. And the script, you know, we would, we would, the first night we got it, it was Zacchaeus and Jesus. And I look at it, and I'm like, all right, Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus, I got this. It'll be fine. And Lindsay goes, Jordan, no. We need to follow the script. The script reads very particularly, just do what it says. And I'm like, all right, I mean, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. And there's a line in there. It said, it was so funny. It said, look concerned at the kids and put your hand on your heart. And it was Lindsay's turn to do the lesson. And I look over and she goes, and that's what Zacchaeus said. And I started cracking up. I was like, man, 
This girl's letter to the law. She does not mess up. And thank God for my wife, because I'd probably be in jail if it wasn't for her, right? I'm not, you know. But these Pharisees, they were rule followers. And before we, you know, get upset with them, why did they do this? There had been years of just absolute failure of Israel, all in the Old Testament. God sending a prophet, saying, hey, turn back to God. Turn back to God. You guys are following idols. You're worshiping idols. You're doing the wrong thing. And they would kill the prophets. And they would be enslaved to the Babylonians. They would be enslaved to the Syrians. They would just, it was just years of failure. And they were currently enslaved to the Roman Empire. So the Pharisees, what they did, they said, you know, we're, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. We need to usher in Jesus. So what we're going to do, we have God's law. We're going to come up with this oral law. And it's going to be God's law with a little bit of extra stuff, right? And we're going to, because we really need to be righteous. We really need to usher in the Messiah. So he will set us free. He will set us to the promised land. We'll be rolling and not slaves anymore. It may be, right, coming from a decent place in their heart, but it had turned into disgust and hate and looking down their noses to their neighbors. And I ask everybody here today, are we different? As we the church, where's your faith? Somebody says, my faith's in Jesus, which it is probably. I hope, right? But we get real fired up by what? Like certain legislation that gets passed. We're real passionate about that, right? We're real passionate about what's happening in schools. We're real passionate about what's happening in the country, who we need to have in office. We get real excited about that. If we just get these rules lined up in the country and then we have this person go here and this person does here, then it's going to be great. Then we know that Jesus is with us and he's on our side because the, the right stuff's happening. Right? Nobody ever typecasts themselves as a Pharisee, when you read the Bible, you're always Mary, right, sitting at Jesus' feet, like, oh, just learning. You're always Peter, stepping out of the boat, walking on water in faith, right? Nobody's ever like, eh, maybe I'm that Pharisee. Let's do a quick test. So you have a dinner at your house. Maybe invite some like-minded people over, some church people, some friends that, that you know that obviously think exactly like you because... We have no time for anybody else that has a different opinion or different thought, right? We can't even associate with them. We'll talk about that later. But you invite them over, and Jesus comes over. And maybe the conversation goes a little bit like this. Jesus, can you believe this world today? Oh, it's sick. Absolutely sick. These LGBTQ plus people, it's everywhere. It's every commercial I look at. Everywhere they have these parades. They're coming after our kids. What is the deal? And these pro-choice people, Lord, do they not know that they're made in the image of God? That the body is not theirs, but it was purchased? What is wrong with them? And what is wrong with these, these Democrats or these Republicans? Jesus, what in the world? These people are sick. It sickens me. You imagine Jesus sitting there with you saying, oh, yeah, I know, yeah. These guys, oh, I know, they're, they really need help, these people. I'll tell you what. These people need help. I don't know what we're going to, what are we going to do? What should we do? Are we any different? We're called to be what? Salt and light. 
to the world, but the church. You know why this may have happened and this is happening too? Because unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that are compromising the word of God. And as soon as you take some of the word of God and you say, "Uh, you know what, I don't like that passage. I don't like that part that offends me. I don't want that that confronts my lifestyle that I think is this. So I'm gonna just remove this and affirm this and be okay with this. And then what do you have? You are your God. You are God in your life. And unfortunately, a lot of churches are doing that. And I think maybe that's why part of the church that holds to the authority of God's word and God's scripture, we get these like little Pharisees. We're like, whoa, don't come over here. We're ripping our kids out of school, right? Listen, before you throw tomatoes at me, I'm not telling you how to parent your kids. But the book of Daniel messes me up. Because Daniel was enslaved to the Babylonians and he went over for three years and he was taught pagan, Babylonian, about their gods, their literature, their life, everything, the history. And what did God do with Daniel? One of the greatest prophets. God used Daniel to maybe the most mighty, arrogant king to ever live, Nebuchadnezzar. He's in heaven because of Daniel, because of God's grace through Daniel in that whole kingdom. Right? You may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. Or your kids. Right? So I'm not, like, again, I'm not telling you what to do, but just maybe think about these things. We're called to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And if we're so, right, our faith might be in the, the establishment and how things are going. Right? What happens when we do that? You know, only God, too. Only God this week. I was preparing for this message Thursday. I went to a different place from my work. I was I just sent to another site to, to look at it, and I called Lindsay after, and I said, hey, I'm going to go to this library down here because um, i got to prepare for today. And she said, all right, cool. So I get to this library in Flemington, and there's no parking lot. And so I drive around the back, and I park in front of a house. And there's a woman out on the porch smoking Marlboro Reds, hanging out, looking at her phone, and there's a a gay pride flag right in front, and she's got stickers all in the window. And I said, hey, do you mind if I park here? I'm just going to go to the library real quick. And she was like, yeah, whatever. And I got to the library, and it just wasn't my vibe. The temperature was not right. Something was going on there, but you know, now I know this was all of God. But I left after like 20 minutes. And I got back to my truck, and I turned it on, and the woman was still on her porch. And God, the Holy Spirit was just screaming at me, go talk to this woman. Go talk to this woman. Go talk to this woman. And I was just like, I I don't know what to say to this woman. Right, because I'm the person that we just talked about. I was praying this week. I was talking to God. How am I supposed to stand up here and talk to these people about this when I fail miserably? But by the grace of God, I, my feet started moving, and there I went. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And she said, depends what they are. And I said, that's fair. Uh, just so we'll start out like this, I'm a youth pastor at my church. And she rolled her eyes and said, here we go. And um, I said, look, I'm, I'm not here to scream at you or yell at you or tell you you're going to burn in hell. I, I just, I just want to talk. My name is Jordan, and, um, you know, I just wanted to talk. And we started to talk, and she started to tell me, she was saying, I'll never set foot in a church because some of the people, the Christians, 
right? Some of the stories she told me that people have said to her, how they treated her, what they did. I began to weep. And I said, I'm really sorry that has happened to you, ma'am. I, I said, I'll be very honest. You know, I believe the only way in life and the only truth in life is Christ and God's word. So we're going to disagree on this subject. We really are. And those people that yelled at you and screamed at you and did all those things, they probably they have the same view as me. But the same Bible, the same word, the same truth says that I am to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And I told her, I'm sorry. I said, ma'am, I'm an idolater. I'm an adulterer. I'm a coveter. I'm a gossip. I'm a slanderer. I'm a liar. I said, in Christ, in his infinite love, has forgiven me. I said, you've got a different flavor of sin. We all do. And I said, can I pray with you? And we prayed. And I remember driving home, and I was just weeping. I was, it was only, like you said, only God. Of all weeks, of all days, when I'm preparing this message, and it got me thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing as the church? Are we salt and light? Is this what Jesus did? You know, funny, Jesus went to have dinner with the tax collectors and the, you know, prostitutes and the broken a couple chapters before this, and the Pharisees were yelling at him, why are you at dinner with these people? And Jesus is so cool because he can have dinner with them, and then he can come over and have dinner here with the self-righteous person. You know, the book of Isaiah, the Lord appears to Isaiah, and Isaiah says, I'm undone. You are holy. You are perfect. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. And the seraphim, the angel comes down and, and touches his lips with the hot coal and he says, you are cleansed. And this is what has happened to us if we are in the church. We have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And you know what Isaiah did? After that, the Lord said, who am I going to send? Who shall I send to these people who don't know me, who are broken who aren't growing up in the church or maybe are lost. Are we as the church doing that? I don't know. And you know, like I said, Jesus is so cool because if you find yourself maybe today thinking, maybe I'm a little more like a Pharisee than I thought. This whole story, Jesus is evangelizing this Pharisee Simon. This woman's extravagant praise, this woman's extravagant love, Jesus is using this to speak directly to Simon's heart. Because he says, Simon looks at him, he says, if you were a prophet, you would know what's going on here, Jesus. And he says, Simon, I got something to say to you. He says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. It'd be about two and a half years worth of wages. And the other owed 50, maybe two months. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. He said, tell me, which one of them will love more? And if you find yourself, like I did, in a position maybe like a Pharisee in the modern-day church, 
It may be because we see ourselves as little sinners, right? These people over here, God, we need to worry about them. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about what I look on my phone late at night by myself. Don't worry about my computer history searching. Don't worry about uh, my idolatry, my covetousness, my adultery, my constant idol worship and turning away from you, loving other things. These are little sins, Jesus. These other ones, I don't do that. And that's where Simon found himself. And when we do this, if this is maybe becoming the pattern of our Christian walk and the pattern of our life, it's because we forgot. We forgot the grace of God. We forgot that we were no different than the unchurched people right now. And the only difference between them and you and you sitting in here today is the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, which enabled you to have faith in God. Your faith is a gift from God. I was so mad at that kid, remember? God is so cool. The last day of the camp, I'm out playing basketball, just kind of hanging out with the kids. It was kind of free time. And who walks up? This kid. And I started to cry. I'm crying all the time. I started to cry, but the kid, I was like, you want to play basketball, right? And we played. I beat him, just for the record to show. But we talked, right? We shared Jesus. He, was gonna be, he might be going into the Air Force or he might be going out to school. His name was Isaiah. And he was a nice kid. And I thought to myself, I was walking back, and one of my students said, Jordan, remember what we prayed at the beginning of camp? And I was like, only God. Only God. And we do this when we forget the debt that we owe God, right? We, there's not a lot of fruit in our lives. This is kind of how you can kind of the barometer where you can tell. This woman in this story, this extravagant love, this extravagant grace, this extravagant everything, she doesn't say a word. Not a word from this woman. I'm reading the book Game of Thrones right now. I'm at the very last book. It's a long haul. And they say quite often in the book, it's one of my favorite lines, is they say, words are wind. Right? Anybody can come to church and say, I believe in Jesus. Anybody can be on the street and say, I'm a Christian. Anybody can say, yeah, I love Jesus. Right? I'll never forget, too. Mother's Day, my wife sits me down. Because our marriage is, right, you know, it's not shambles, but it's definitely, you know, one of these kind of dead zones. And I felt it. And she sits me down and she says, Jordan, if people didn't know that you were a youth pastor, if people didn't know that we're in the church and they came in here and looked at our lives, you know, after we put the kids to bed, they wouldn't know we're Christians. I started to think, and she said, Jordan, you're going to be held responsible for how you disciple this home. And I want you to succeed. I want to read the Bible with you. I want to sit with you. I want to pray with you. And we don't do that. We're not doing that right now. And you know what had happened? I'd been so busy telling everybody I'm a Christian, going to work, saying all these things, doing all these things. I th- I'm coming to work. I'm trying to earn God's love, right? I'm trying to earn God's love by serving here. I'm trying to earn God's love by trying to do the right things, trying my hardest not to sin. 
all the while neglecting my marriage, neglecting my wife. No fruit, because there was no true fruit. And you say, Jordan, Game of Thrones is not the Bible, and I know that. Jesus said, the Sermon on the Plain, chapter 6, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if anybody hears these words and puts them into practice, he'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Book of James says, be doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving yourselves. And later on it says, faith without works is dead. Now hear me, this woman's action, right? These eight things that she did, she learned where Jesus was. She brought a jar. She stood at his feet. She wept. She dried. She anointed him. All these actions were the fruit, and that fruit is from the extravagant love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus. So fruit is a result of a born-again person's life. There will be fruit. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. The fruit does not save us, right? That's part of the message I'm talking about today. You can't earn God's love. Jesus talks about this great debt. Our works are like monopoly money. It's the wrong currency, and you'll never have enough. But in my, in, in my life, in that moment, when my wife sat me down, I had no fruit because I forgot the great love of Christ. I was so busy trying to earn it, right? You, sometimes God, we have it as Christians because we don't understand the gospel. We don't. That's why you have to come every week to hear it. There's no other faith. There's no other religion that preaches God's word and preaches predominantly the same message every week. You are saved by grace, through faith, by the blood of Christ, not of your works. And you have to hear it every week because we forget. And we have this relationship with God where he's our boss. Right? You're cool with your boss. It's a great relationship with your boss. Your boss is going to help you. Your boss is going to save you. Your, your boss does some amazing raises every once in a while, right? Something happens in your life. You're like, wow, thank you, God, boss. But if you don't do all these things, right? If you're not doing all the right stuff all the time, you're like, oh, maybe... Am I going to get fired? Are you going to throw me away? I think a lot of Christians live their lives like this. I know I certainly do in moments. But God is your father, not your boss. I feel that today. God is your father. And Jesus is trying to show Simon. He says, look at this woman. Look what she's doing. He says this little parable. Because very rarely does anybody respond if somebody comes up to him and says, hey, you're a sinner. People don't just go, you know what? I am a sinner. Thank you so much for that. I need Jesus. That's quite often not what happens. Right? If I walk up to that woman and I say, you know what? You got this flag. You're a sinner. I don't know what to tell you. You know? You remember when God saved you? Quite often, God has to show you that you're a sinner. And that's what Jesus is doing here with Simon. He said, you gave me no kiss of peace when I walked in. 
You didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't provide any water for me to wash my feet. You, didn't, you were all talk. You didn't, you didn't do anything except judge this woman. But this woman has not stopped this extravagant love, this extravagant praise, this extravagant worship of Christ. And he said, look, those who are forgiven much love much. And if we've been in the church for a while, sometimes we forget. We forget what we owe God. We forget that the debt has been paid by Christ, but we forget just how much it is. We forget the true nature of our hearts, right? The closer you get to Jesus, quite often the uglier you're going to start to look. Because he's so holy. It's like, remember, Isaiah saw God in his glory, perfect. You start walking with God, you get a little more sanctified, a little more sanctified, you're going to start seeing things in your life. You're just like, man, I got to work on this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm bad at this. I fail at this. I, I can't do this. And what did the creditor do? He forgave them both. But if we've been in church for a while, we forget that we're a 500 sinner. If you think you're a little sinner, if you, if you still are trying to like figure it out, read the Sermon on the Mount. Read it every day. It'll bring you to your knees. God, save us from the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> it's terrifying. And the point is that your relationship with God, remember I said he is our father. Sometimes we live like it's based on how much do I love you, Jesus? I love you. I need to love you. I need to love you more. I need to read my Bible. I need to witness when I can. I need to make sure I'm not cussing or doing any of these kind of things. And when I do that, or if I'm having a little success with that, right? I'm having a great week, great day. You feel good. And then maybe you have a day where you blow it. Maybe you're impatient with your husband. Maybe you're angry with somebody. You don't read the Bible. You don't do the right thing, and then you're real down on yourself. Right? You got this little life like this. And that's idolatry. Because who's the Savior in that scenario? Me. You. All the rules. All the stuff. God, look what I did. Are you going to bless me? That's what I was doing with my wife. Hey, I serve, I do this, I work. God, you better bless me. Come on. How dare you put me through any kind of trial? So what was different about this woman? This woman was a baby Christian. You think back when you were first saved. And you couldn't get enough of God's word. You couldn't get enough of worship. You couldn't get enough of praise. You would cry at every song. And we know this because when Jesus said in verse 47, he said, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And that are forgiven right there is in the Greek, the perfect participle indicative. How about that? That's just a fancy way of saying that means that it had already taken place. 
her forgiveness had already taken place and it was continuous. This woman had already had an interaction with the king. And this weeping, this love, this adoration, this worship, this praise was a result of the forgiveness in the love of Jesus. Your relationship with God is held together by his love for you, not your love for him. Let me say that again. Your relationship with God is held together by his love for you, not your love for him, because your love for him is going to be like, whoop, 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 right? Bible says even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. And this woman had understood. She saw. She was, a, she was a, I forgot to tell you this, she was a prostitute. The text mentions she's a sinner, she's a sinner, and Jesus said her sins, which are many. She was a prostitute. Known in the town, small town, shamed, talked about, not let in the circle, right, remember? And Jesus looked at her different. And today as the church, don't forget. Don't forget that we were once one of these people. Maybe you weren't a prostitute or a drunk alcoholic or any kind of, you know, you'd say, do I have to be a, a, a wicked, wretched sinner to have this kind of love for Jesus? The truth is we all are. But if you're thinking, I wasn't any of these things, Pastor Jordan, I, I didn't have this kind of conversion. I said, your love can be maybe expressed that God didn't ordain that maybe for your life. Maybe kept you from that type of journey because it's a, not a fun journey. But whatever it takes to bring us to our knees to understand Christ, and that's what he did for this woman here. And she loved. If your love is always, if your actions are always trying to earn God's love, you will always run dry. You'll always run dry. Because honestly, we do that because we, 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 want, we do it for ourselves. When I'm trying to earn God, God's love, like I said, I want him to bless me, and I want other people to think how righteous and how holy and how, how good I am. It's all selfish. But if your actions are flowing from the love and the power of forgiveness of Christ, that is a well that will never run dry. Remember, he met that woman at the well. He said, this will be coming up in your heart like springs of living water that will never run dry. That's a well that never runs dry, the forgiveness of Christ. That's why you always got to go back. That's why you always got to get the gospel preached to us. Baby Christian. And God is so cool because he knows this. When Moses was about to die after leading the Israelites for a while in the wilderness, he was with Joshua and God was with them and they were commissioning Joshua, getting Joshua ready to lead. And God told them both, Deuteronomy chapter 32, 33, one of those. He said, when these people go over into the promised land, when they go over and they 
finally receive and attain all the love, all the grace, all the land that I promised to give them. Once they get it, once they're fat and happy, they're going to forget. And they're going to turn away from me. And they're going to follow idols. And they're going to do other things. They're going to forget. So what I want you to do is put this song in their mouths. And God taught Moses and Joshua a song. And he said, this will be a witness to these people. Because when the pestilence, when the sword comes, when the, when the trial comes, and they are thinking to themselves, where is our God? Why, what are we, what's going on, God? This song will be a testament to them, he said. Because God loves you so much. If we're not getting it from, you know, maybe we got some godly counsel for some people. Maybe we're coming to church and we're hearing God and we're just deciding to turn our ears down and not care. God will then, out of his great love, send a trial or hardship or something in your life to get your attention. That's how much he loves you. So the next time you're in a trial or something's going on in your life, don't automatically pray, God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take... Maybe we could pray, God, show me what I need to be taught right now. Because his great love, he's going to send something like that. And again, we're no different from anybody else. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. It reads, in you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. Not of our own works. Not of making sure we get the right laws and the right stuff and the right person in office. If you look at the pattern of all the Gospels, the modern church, we are the Pharisees. Because what? They, were, they knew God, right? They had God's word. They were so sure that they knew what would usher in the Messiah. They were so sure that they knew and that, that God owed them. They were a chosen people. doesn't matter. God's never going to leave us. We're good. We are the modern Pharisees. And it's because 
we've forgotten. We forgot what we owed God. We forgot when he first saved us. We forgot when he first called you. We forgot the great debt and the true condition of our heart. That's why when we sing, you know, if you can yawn your, your way through amazing grace, you don't understand what God has done for you. You know, debt's funny. If you owe somebody $10,000 and they forgive it, it doesn't just go away. That person who absorbed that debt has to pay it. In Christ's death, paid for all the debt that we owe, all the sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The debt was paid. And a truly born-again Christian, a truly born-again person, a person who understands that, will love much. If you find your love a little cold this morning, take a look at your debt and take a look at your Savior. You know, there was a man, his name was Gary Ridledge. He was a murderer. He murdered 47 women and he was convicted and sentenced in 2003. And, um, you know, he brought, he got into the court and the court decided to bring in family members of the women that he murdered and friends to, to say something. And one by one, these people got up in front of him and told him how much they hated him, told him how much they think he's gonna, hope and he burns in hell that he rots in prison, all the stuff that he did, right? And the whole time, Mr. Ridledge, his face was stone cold, stone face. And the last man to get up was a father of one of these women. And the father stood up and he said, Mr. Ridledge, there's a lot of people in here who hate you. And I want you to know I'm not one of them You've made it difficult for me to do what I believe. But I believe that God commands me to forgive. So Mr. Ridledge, I want you to know today that I forgive you. Right, and this man began to weep. This murderer began to weep, why? the one who should have been offended the most, the father. He understood all that God had forgiven him, that father. And he extended forgiveness to this man. In church, I ask you this today. If it weren't for that father, do you think that murderer Gary Ridledge is going into prison looking for a Bible? You think he's looking for a small group? You think he's trying to understand, you know, the love of Christ? If that man doesn't stand up and forgive him, what if he stood up like everybody else? Yeah, I hate you. You're a sinner. 
rotten hell. You think he's going into prison. But no, he went into prison thinking, what was different about that man? How could that man forgive me for what I did? And when we sin, we sin against the Father. It affects people horizontally. But the sin is against the Father. When David wrote that Psalm 51, after he committed adultery and murdered, had the husband murdered, he said, Lord, it is against you I have sinned and sinned alone. And God, as this man looked at this murderer, God looks at us square in the face. And he says, you're forgiven. I forgive you. Because I sent my son to do for you what you cannot do. Stop playing with Monopoly money. Stop treating God like your boss. You who have been forgiven much. And another thing today, we're going to open up these altars and we're going to sing because all we have is gratitude. What are we going to bring to God? What are we going to bring to God? Nothing but praise, nothing but gratitude, nothing but adoration. Because we are great sinners. And he is a greater savior. And today, don't hold on. Are you holding on to a 50? A 50 offense? A family member, a friend, coworker, somebody who, who you, you, you are, you're angry with, you're resentful with right now? You're going to hold that in when God has forgiven you? Don't hold on to anything. Bring it to God. Jesus said, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.